Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. But India is really the home to now, and probably has been for many years, the Hindu community in the world, of which I think India, they tell me, uh, about 80% of the population are Hindu. And and, uh, India is home to, I think, 95% of the world's Hindu population. But in India, there are 30 million Christians. So there are more Christians in India (laughs) than there are in Australia, obviously. There's more people in uh, Christians in India than there are people in Australia, which is just an incredible thing. And so God is at work in India, and we are blessed uh, by that. But many missionaries over the years have gone to India. Who can remember one? Who knows of one key missionary that's gone to India? Kids? What about the great Baptist missionary? William Carey. Yes. And there's another one, Mother Teresa, who'd be well known. But today we're going to be talking about Amy Carmichael and uh, her obedience to God's call on her life. And of course, Amy Carmichael was obedient. She was obedient for a very young age. And her obedience ultimately led her to India. And we're going to hear about uh, Amy and her work in India now. And so it's a great privilege to invite Melissa Martins to come forward. Melissa comes from India. And uh, she can come forward now. That'll be great. Melissa, as she does, let's welcome her. She's going to be reading the story for us. Amy Carmichael was born in Northern Ireland in 1867. She lived near the sea and loved the sounds and color of the ocean. Her favorite color was blue. She wished she had blue eyes, but her eyes were brown. Every Sunday, Amy heard about Jesus, and each night her family prayed together. Amy had been told again and again, God answers prayers. God always answers So when Amy was three years old, she knelt and she prayed that God would make her brown eyes blue, just like the ocean. She was sure God would answer her prayer and fell asleep expecting to wake up with blue eyes. In the morning, she ran to the mirror. Did she see blue eyes? The same brown eyes stared back at her. She struggled to hold back her tears. Hadn't God heard her prayer? Why didn't God answer her prayer? Actually, God answered. Sometimes, no is the answer. But Amy would understand later why God said no. When Amy was about 10, her mother took her to the city of Belfast. As they sat in a tea shop, a little girl dressed in little rags with no shoes came and stood outside the cold, in the cold rain and pressed her face against the glass window, l- looking at the delicious cakes and sweets. That night, as Amy sat at the, by the warm fire, she was thinking about the little girl So she wrote a poem. When I grow up and money have, I know what I will do. I'll build a great lovely place for little girls like you. When Amy grew up, she never forgot that little girl. And she knew God wanted 
her to be a missionary and look after children. She applied to go to China, but was turned down. Then she went to Japan, but she came home sick. Eventually, she waved her family goodbye, and once again, she went to India this time. Amy loved the colorful clothing and bustling markets in India. She loved the people, especially the dark-eyed children. She wanted to understand the people and how they worshipped. How could she tell them about Jesus if she didn't understand them? What is going on in those big stone temples? Amy wondered. She knew they did not worship the one true God. But Amy looked so different and was seen as an outsider, and outsiders weren't allowed in the temple. She longed to disguise herself. She found that coffee would stain her face and arms and a soft brown like the Indian women. She put on an Indian sari, the clothing Indian women wear, just like the one I'm wearing, and wrapped it over her head. She now looked like an Indian woman. Her friend said, listen to this one, it's so good that your eyes are brown and not blue. You would never pass for an Indian woman with blue eyes. Amy remembered her disappointment when as a child, God answered no to her prayer for blue eyes. She now knew God had given her the best answer. Wearing her disguise, Amy walked right past the priest into the temple. It was very dark, and in a huge tower sat a metal idol. Bowls of oil and burning wicks hung on the wall all around. Amy was sad to see so many people worshipping a metal god that wasn't alive. One day, Amy was following a parade that was leading to a Hindu temple. She kept her sari close around her face. A big wooden cart with a huge idol rolled past. Also, on the cart rode ten little girls. They had flower wreaths on their heads, and they, their shiny black hair was oiled and perfumed. They wore purple silk dresses and gold bangle bracelets. Amy looked at the children's faces they looked afraid. The cart rolled into the stole temple and gates closed. Who were these children and where were they going? Amy wondered. She could not stop worrying about the children. As Amy wandered along the market crowds, she listened for clues about the children. She saw them going into the temple. Over time, she discovered those, these children had been given away as an offering to the temple to make the gods happy. She learned that poor families who need money for food would sometimes sell the baby to the temple. There, they were forced to serve the idol and become slaves in the temple for the rest of their lives. Amy wanted these children to know God loved them. She wanted to give them a safe home where they could pray, play, 
and learned to read and write. She was convinced that God wanted her to rescue the temple children. She knew it would be dangerous but was obedient to God. Amy heard of a father who was about to sell his daughter to the temple. So she asked him to sell his daughter to her instead and prayed God would provide the money. Days later, she received the exact amount of money for someone who knew nothing about Amy's prayer. Soon after, she rescued another baby as it was being taken to the temple, then two more. Before long, Amy had 16 children. More babies followed, as well as toddlers. Some women who had been slaves in the temple for their whole life heard about Amy and they risked their own life to get the children into Amy's safe hands. Amy soon needed a large house for the children. She wanted to place a place away from the city as the temple priests sometimes tried to take the children back. She purchased a house in a remote place between the mountains and the sea and turned it into a safe home and a loving home. Her family continued to grow and in one year alone, 42 children arrived. 42 children. Amy was a mother, doctor and nurse to them all. The children loved her and called her Amma, the Indian word for mother. Money was needed for food, new building, wages for helpers, to travel and rescue children. People from all over the world started to hear about Amy's work and sent money to help. More cottages, a hospital playroom, school and laundry were built. And an engineer, doctor and nurses came to help. Amy discovered boys were also in danger and with new buildings and helpers, she began to also rescue boys. One evening, Amy fell and broke her leg. It never healed properly, and she spent the next 20 years mainly in bed. The helpers took over running the house and rescuing children, and the family continued to grow. Perhaps Amy's most important work was just beginning. Now she had the time to write. She wrote and she wrote. Amy's writings about the temple children contributed to the Indian government making laws against children going to the temple. Amy served God in India until she died in 1951-55, years after arriving in India and having never returned to Ireland. She was laid to rest in the garden of the children's home, and her grave was simply marked Amma, Mother. Ah, uh, God, thank you. It's great this morning to wrap up our Summer Sunday series called Mission Impossible. And going to India this morning, and gra- thank you, Melissa, for reading that story so beautifully. So... Being a disciple of Jesus, as we've heard over the weeks, being on mission for the Lord 
is truly impossible without God's enabling and empowering on one hand, but without those on mission, those all of us actually that are called to follow Jesus, to show sacrifice, courage, trust and obedience. Obedience is our topic for today. We saw that Amy Carmichael showed such obedience. People have sold homes, they've given up careers, they've travelled to other nations, they've made large financial sacrifices to serve in mission. Not because they're guilty or afraid, but because they've experienced themselves God's amazing love in such a transforming way that nothing, there's nothing that they would not do for the Lord themselves. We may not be called to international mission like those in our stories, but we're all called to be witnesses, whether in the workplace, school, in our neighbourhood, or perhaps to other lands like some amongst us. And for any of these things, obedience is required to go wherever we're called. John fourteen fifteen says, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. There's a strong relationship between love and obedience. Obedience is the outward expression of our love for God. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James emphasizes over and over again that faith without active obedience is useless. When the disciples obeyed Jesus, they saw and experienced God's mighty power in all sorts of ways. The obedience of Amy Carmichael brought the beauty of Jesus to hundreds of rescued children. She obeyed when she first went to India. She obeyed when she laid down a very successful evangelistic work that she'd started in India before she knew about the temple children. She obeyed when other missionaries thought that she shouldn't do the work of rescuing children. She was told, in quote, she'd end up spending her whole life looking after babies and she should be actually out there telling them about Jesus. Parents, children, anyone in MPK, don't think that looking after children is wasted time. That may be the actual most important work you're given to do. So if you're called and think you might be being called to MPK, say yes, go and find out next weekend about that work. Amy obeyed in the face of great opposition and danger when the Hindu priests tried to stop her work and tried to claim back the children that had been rescued. Amy Carmichael's been one of my great heroes of the faith. Her love, her sacrifice, her determination, and her obedience for God, whatever the cost, challenged me in my own faith over the years. Imagine being rejected by the China Inland Mission, then sent home from Japan after a physical breakdown. Yet she persevered. She was convinced that God was calling her to this mission. And then when she eventually got to India, she was there for 55 years, never returning to Ireland. She was a mother to so many children and she couldn't leave them. They were her children. She wasn't going to go and leave them there. I guess I'd probably idolised her somewhat, putting her in that kind of pedestal of special Christian, special missionary. I don't know if you have those sort of people. Then one day we were talking to an older man we knew and he'd started the first Bible college in Pakistan and he knew Amy personally from his younger years when she was in India and he was in Pakistan. 
He acknowledged Amy's amazing work, but also pointed out to me that her dogged determination that actually enabled her to achieve so much made her very difficult to work with other people at times. This kind of humanised her for me. And just like all of us, she had her faults. But it did not disqualify her from being part of this impossible mission of taking God into all the world. If our faults were to disqualify us, the first disciples would never have left Jerusalem. So as God calls us to follow him, we don't need to be perfect. We don't need to be in some elite special missionary category, but simply obedient to his call. While serving in India, Amy received a letter from a young lady who thought she was being called to mission life. She asked Amy, what is missionary life like? Amy wrote back, missionary life is simply a chance to die. Not literally, although that happens sometimes. We heard about Jim Elliott last week. But it's a chance to die to what we want as we seek to be obedient and say yes to what God wants. Elizabeth and Jim Elliott were greatly influenced by Amy Carmichael's life, such that she wrote a book called about Amy Carmichael, a biography about Amy, which she entitled A Chance to Die. So what are some things we can learn about obedience from Amy Carmichael's life that will enable us to answer God's call to mission in our lives, wherever and whatever that might look like for each one of us? Firstly, obedience when the answer is no. Children, I've got a question for you. Can you remember when Amy prayed for blue eyes? Can you remember that in the story? Did God give her blue eyes? No. Did God answer her prayer? Yes. You were right. She did. He did. But God just said no. Sometimes no is the answer. That was a chance for her to die to what she wanted and live to what God wanted, trusting that he knew best. But it was many, many years before she discovered why. Children, I wonder, do your parents ever say no to you? Do they ever say no to you? Yeah. I wonder if you said to them, I wonder if you said to them, can I please turn off the TV and pack away my toys because I think it's almost my bedtime. (laughs) Would your parents say no if you said that to them? Who thinks they'd say no? Who thinks they'd say yes? Yeah. What about if you said to them, I'm starving. Can I please have lollies and ice cream for breakfast? Would they say yes or no? No, they'd say no. I hope they would. (laughs) They say no to things that aren't good for you because they love you and they want the best for you. I wonder when your parents do say no, how do you react? Perhaps you want more screen time and you're told no. Perhaps as you get older, you want to go somewhere and your parents say, no, you can't go there. Or teenagers, perhaps you want your parents to buy alcohol like other kids' parents and your parents say, no, I'm not doing that. I wonder what you do. Are you tempted to disobey and get what you want in other ways? Do you keep arguing or whining or nagging until your parents give up? Do you stamp your foot, slam the door, say it isn't fair? You see, your parents have a bigger perspective than you. 
They want to protect you from doing things that you will regret in years to come. They don't want you to hurt yourself. They want you to be healthy. They want you to develop character like self-control, patience, goodness, endurance, because they know that you're going to need all of those things for a successful future. And they just know that when you're younger, you don't always know what's best for you and you need someone to help you. So God's given you parents. And like good parents, God sometimes says no to our requests because he loves us and because he wants the best for us. How do we react when God says no? Amy Carmichael had to accept God's answer no to her prayer. She was disappointed, but if she'd sulked and got angry and said, I don't love God anymore, I'm not going to follow God anymore, she would never have done all the things that she did later in her life. When God said no to Amy about her eyes, it was because he had already said yes to her deepest desire, which even as a child was to love and serve him, and ultimately that was in India. You see, we can't see far into the future. Eternity is the secret of God. So we must be prepared to be obedient and to trust God, even though we may not understand for many years or maybe ever why he sometimes answers no. So part of obedience is acceptance and trust when God says no. Maybe it's not that God says no to us, but we say no to God. We can know what God requires of us as a follower of Jesus We can read it in the Bible, others can tell us, but we just say no, because we actually want to live our lives the way we want. We may still go along to church each week, but really we just tack God onto our life and continue to live however we want to. A friend of ours was once living like this. His goal was to make as much money in as shortest time as he possibly could. He went to church but he had his own ideas of how to live. And later, in his own words, he said to us, I was just giving God an occasional wave. I wonder if we sometimes just give God an occasional wave. Of course, everything went pear-shaped in his life, and he actually lost everything. And he came to a new place with the Lord through that, and following the Lord now, today. Basically, we're all self-centered We all suffer from FOMO, fear of missing out. We don't like to wait for anything. We want to do what we want, when we want. We don't like being told what to do, even by God. The old Frank Sinatra song, I Did It My Way, appeals to something in all our rebellious hearts, I'm sure. But we forget sometimes that God gives instructions of how to live, not because he's some killjoy, but because He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what the days ahead hold. He's for us, not against us. He always, ultimately, has the best in mind for us. And he knows what will satisfy the very, very deepest longings of our hearts. Of course, we cannot be obedient to God if we don't trust God. And we won't trust God if we don't accept he loves us enough to send his son to die for us. Jesus was perfectly obedient to his father. The first disciples were obedient to their call. 
and followers of Jesus down through the centuries have been obedient because they trusted God and they knew he loved them deeply. Elizabeth Elliot says in her book about Amy Carmichael, the great passion of Amy Carmichael's life was uttermost love, which meant uttermost obedience. Amy Carmichael quoted these words often, one can give without loving, but one cannot love without giving. It means doing something in obedience. Eugene Peterson says that being a disciple of Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction, resulting in something that makes life worth living. Saying yes to God doesn't mean all our issues are solved, all our questions answered, all our troubles over, that our mission will be a walk in the park. But we can be sure that nothing comes, that comes our way will ever separate us from the love of God. We need one another to spur us on in obedience. We cannot do it alone. When God was calling my husband Simon to resign from his job at 50 and go and study theology, it was a time in his life when he had a really comfortable job that he loved, he earned a lot of money, and he knew that he would be tempted to just work another two, another five, another seven years, just to make life a little bit more secure. And especially tempted when people at his work said, why don't you just take a sabbatical? I think you're just a bit bored. We'll give you two years. Just keep your options open. But we, he knew what God had told him to do. But he knew that he'd be tempted to go and do that. So he asked a few trusted people around him to keep him accountable to God's leading. And we all need one another to keep us accountable in our obedience to the Lord. So from the small beginning of one obedient woman woman and one small child came a village, complete with its own simple Indian facilities, and in time a hospital for the sick from where the gospel was preached to thousands. Today, there are over 500 people at the centre. Some of these beautiful old women were rescued as little babies from the temples. I mean, just imagine their lives. It's just beautiful. Today, there are around 500 people at the centre. About a fifth of them are retired house mothers who each may have raised 40 or more children over the years. At one point, the family swelled to 1,000 children. Today, there's a hospital, 16 nurseries and other compounds. It's now totally staffed by Indian people, doctors, nurses, dentists, house mothers. Although children are no longer rescued from the temples, there's still many at-risk and abandoned children in India. The leader today was the home's first rescued child to be sent to university. When Amy first obeyed to rescue one child, she had no idea what the result would be. Jenny Quatermain said yes to the work God called her to in Bangladesh. It's amazing what God has done because of her yes. Sometimes we long for a big assignment for God, yet are not willing to be obedient in the everyday small things. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family first. We need to be obedient to the things God has already shown us. Are we giving and serving in our families, in our community, in our church? Are we welcoming others? Are we caring for others? Are we not holding grudges? Are we being encouraging, not critical? When we are faithful and obedient in the small things, 
God will trust us with the bigger things. So let's begin where we are. Will you choose to follow God wherever he leads? God has a role, a function, a purpose in his kingdom for each and every one of us. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And as we together follow Jesus, permeate society, lives will be transformed both here and around the world. We might never know all the, all how that happens, like Amy Carmichael hasn't seen all the results, but God will be at work. But be sure, it will involve sacrifice, it will involve courage, it will involve trust, and it will involve obedience as we say yes to the mission that God has called us on. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, our obedience begins by saying yes to your call upon our lives to follow you. So Lord, I pray that each and every person in this room, from the youngest to the oldest, will answer yes to your call to follow you, Lord. And Lord, thank you that you have something for every single one of us. Help us not measure against one another, because that's not your way. But help us just to say yes to the thing that you've called us to at this point in time. And Lord, help us to look to you to strengthen us and enable us to do whatever you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329 Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.